Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Layla, and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're so glad you could join us this morning, but before we jump into the Word, let's take a moment and pray. God, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your infallible Word, Lord. We thank you that it stands and remains among all else, Lord, that it never perishes and it never wanes, God. We thank you that we have a solid foundation on Jesus Christ, Lord, his blood and his name, God, that we are able to overcome and conquer in your name and be your children lord and lord we just thank you for this time in the word together this morning to learn and to grow in you god to become closer to you more conformed to the image of christ so we thank you for those things in jesus name amen in jesus somebody name amen and amen well good morning and welcome everyone we're glad to have you with us as we continue our study of the word and in the book of acts this morning we're in chapter 27 and moving forward. So if I could get a couple volunteers to read Acts 27 verses 13 through 44. Um, and you can switch over at verse 30. I'll read first. All right, let Charles. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But but not long after, a temptuous hat arose called Eurocliton. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clada, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the site... Seertus? Seertus Sands, thank you. You're welcome. They struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day we lighted, they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. <laughs> now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have sailed from Crete, and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Arderic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, and they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out another, putting out anchors from the prow. Paul said said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. 
Then the soldiers cut the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and all took food for themselves. And all... In all, we were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they landed the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach, onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go of the anchors and let them, let them into the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail into the wind and made for the shore. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and their prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that those who should swim should swim overboard first, should jump overboard first, and get to land, and the rest, some on the boards and some on the parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Amen. So, there's a lot in there. Obviously, it's a pretty significant or large section of Scripture. So, we're going to open the floor and give each of you the opportunity to share what Holy Spirit is speaking to you or ministering to you about this section and ask any questions that you have. Who would like to begin? I would. All right, Layla. So I'd like to make an observation and draw a parallel to what Paul is experiencing in his actions to that of Jesus. Um, we mentioned in the previous um, podcast that when Jesus told the disciples to go on the other side of the Galilee, there arose a tempestuous wind and huge waves, and the disciples were afraid that they were going to drown, and Jesus was in the bottom of the boat sleeping. He was taking a nap. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was completely contrary. They're like, Master, we're perishing. We're about to drown and you're sleeping. Similar to what um, Paul later, when we see that he's eating food, he's going to eat food. What person, naturally speaking, would sit down and eat a meal when the ship is about to go under? No, they do the stuff that, you know, seems like the right thing to do. Lighting the ship, throwing the cargo overboard. And Paul, when the Lord, the angel of the Lord came to talk with him, Paul didn't go just... Lord, save me and let the rest perish because they should have listened to me when I told them beforehand. He didn't have such a selfish and ungodly perspective. I believe he interceded for the men that were on the ship as well, that they would be saved and rescued so that they had an opportunity to see the hand of the Lord on working on their behalf as well, not just Paul's. And we should be the same way. We shouldn't be cheering when our enemy falls. We shouldn't be praying that God strikes and smites them and cuts them to the ground. We should intercede for them and love them because Jesus interceded for us. I mean, we rightfully should have and would have been sentenced to eternity in Sheol. But Jesus, our intercessor, that sacrificial lamb, came and pleaded on our behalf so that we could be saved and reconciled to the Lord. So the adversary couldn't steal, kill, and destroy as he intended to do to all mankind because he had been kicked out of the garden. So I just found that interesting and found it encouraging. 
Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Yes. What the Lord was showing me and sharing with me was something similar, but he was drawing it more along the lines of how you have been talking in the previous podcast about how the, um, dad, you've been talking about it, how the enemy was trying to keep Paul from going to Caesar. He was keep trying to keep him from going to Rome, which Paul already understood that he had to. And the Lord was just reminding me of the difference between if we look at the, um, Paul and Jonah. Jonah faced a temp, uh, tempest because he was trying to escape the will of God and was trying to go somewhere else on the other side. What that was as far as way as far away from Nineveh as he could get at that time, and how Paul was trying to go and do the will of God. But similar things happened, and what the Lord was showing and sharing with me was that most times when we see in our life, the enemy will try to portray it or make it look like it is the Lord trying to stop us. He doesn't want you to do this. He wants you to do this. Or, you know, the Lord really didn't want you to go to Rome. He just wanted to be able to drown you in the middle of the sea. And how we have to be aware and watchful for that so we don't slip into that. Meaning that Paul did not start complaining against the Lord saying, Oh Lord, why have you dragged me out here so I can drown? But he continued to trust in the Lord all the time and was not persuaded. That's how when we see when he's talking to the angel, he said, I believe what the angel said to me is going to occur. He -hmm. didn't start doubting when it looked like things were not going the way it should have been going. If it was, he was looking more so in the spiritual for what was going to occur instead of the natural, as we've been talking about in the previous one as well, how we're supposed to be looking at the spiritual realm for guidance because that's where the lord tells us to look because that's where all the things come from first and then the natural has to get in line with that but paul was looking at the spiritual where everybody else was looking out at the natural the tempest it looked like there was no way they could have survived it mm. mm-hmm. so the natural was contrary on two accords at first it looked like they got what they wanted and they were going to be able to sail safely and then now it looks like they're going to die. But both are opposite because God had a different perspective. The first one, he said, uh, I wouldn't go if I were you. There's going to be great loss. And they said, no, nah, no, nah, it looks good to us. And say, so psych, it was a trap from the adversary. Second time they said, oh, it looks like everybody's going to die. Start killing folks, you know. But the Lord was like, no, there'll be no loss of life as long as you stay in the plan. As long as you come on over here and obey It'll be well. You'll be wet. It might be a little bit frightening, but you'll be alive. Not a hair from your head will fall. Yes. So God is to be found true. God is found true and every man a liar. Every circumstantial condition, if it's contrary to what God has already said, is a liar. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead, sweetie. And how with Paul, he was being, the enemy was trying to stop him from going and going, and getting to the place that he needed to go, but Paul was looking more so because he already had a promise from the Lord that he was supposed to go. We can see him talk about that in previous chapters, like after he was dragged out before the mob, he, the angel of the Lord told him that nothing was going to harm him in the city because he had to go to Rome. He mm-hmm. already understood that. And how in our own lives, we, that's something we have to cling to. We have to cling to the hope that we have in the lord and the words and his promises not looking at okay lord i can believe you when everything looks like it's going right but as soon as everything begins going haywire um lord i don't think your will is going to work out anymore we flip-flop between the two but we have to remain steady 
And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that you can see that was wrong with uh, the men. They were flip-flopping in their opinion. One minute they wanted to listen to Paul when things look like, okay, if we don't listen to this man, well, it's going to cost us. But as soon as everything cleared up and they didn't want to, which is where we see the sailors trying to get in the skiff to escape, and how they had to be listening to the Lord through Paul all the steps of the way, not just until things lightened and then they could start making their own plan and their own will work, but they had to go through it all the steps of the way. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a covenant relationship with God as far as we um can see and tell Paul was the man of God on the ship. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was doing their own thing. So they had no obligation, but Paul did. And then you see what the Lord is able to do when his man or woman is on the scene and his man or woman continues in faith. And in this process, you see Paul's faith at work. He had to apply, I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth, what he said in verse 25, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Abraham had to say the same thing when he called himself the father of many nations in the presence of his God who was watching over his words to perform them, right? Uh, Because God called him the father of many nations. Abraham had to go, okay, yes, sir, I agree with you. I believe you. I have faith and I declare it as well. So Paul was putting into practice here the same concepts of faith, the same truth or process of faith that we have to today. Paul didn't start going, oh, Lord, it's always dark out here. Oh, nail biters. Oh, we might die. Oh, I don't know. He didn't change his confession. He said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I believe God. His knees might have been a little weak after that boat was getting tossed around. And who knows? But he chose to hold fast his confession of faith. So when he writes to about that later, he has he knows where he's speaking from because this is what the Lord showed him and walked him through and taught him. No, it wasn't, you know, necessarily taught in a flowery bed of ease, but it was taught in the midst of Paul learning to conquer even this kind of circumstance. He was practiced in avoiding people's plots of death, even though it was the adversary, the spirit behind it working through them. But this is kind of a change of pace that a storm, that the adversary is trying to use a storm to kill him and stop the plan of God from coming to pass versus people with their rocks and their their evil plotting, men waiting behind corners who haven't eaten in days who want to kill him and won't eat again until they kill him. They must have been real hungry at this point, huh? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so our faith in God will work no matter what situation we face, no matter what attempt the adversary brings to try to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives, but we have to hold fast to our faith. And what comes out of our mouth, right? And the with the heart, man believes into salvation, right? But with the mouth, confession is made unto righteousness. So we have to use both. If Paul had just sat there quietly, the process wouldn't have been finished. But he opened his mouth because he believed, and therefore he spoke. He believed what God said, so he had confidence in declaring what the Lord said to him. And let's just take a look at Romans 10.10 real quick. Let's see. Oh, so I had that. I'm sorry, I switched it around. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Glory to God. 
So that's the faith process, whether that's for getting saved initially, whether it's for healing, whether it's for um, receiving the the aid of blessing that the Lord has promised, whether it's receiving um, safety and protection from disaster. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord over this situation. And whatever level that you need that salvation manifested, not just saving you from hell in the in the end end of days, but saving you from disaster, from theft, from sickness, from disease, all the attacks of the adversary, that salvation of being saved, if you will, in that situation, God has provided for it. And it's the same. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Take the time to hear what God is saying, because if you don't know what he said, it's impossible to have faith, right? Faith begins where the word of God, the will of God is known. So find out what he said. He's already promised to protect us and deliver us. Amen. And keep pressing in and believe what he says to you. Henny, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah. I actually wanted to, if you will, circle back to what you were talking about earlier of what this looks like. And Paul holding fast to his faith and the word and, and all these these things. And, and the thing that, you know, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me was it looks exactly like all the prophets. Mm-hmm. You, you brought up about just holding fast to, to the word, right? How the word came long before they had even left. And this is why I say it looks like the prophets. The word of the Lord came through Paul before they had even left the dock before they left the pier to set out, set course. Mm-hmm. But the people rejected the word. Now, if you look at the Old Testament, the prophets didn't then separate themselves from all the people. They had to endure, while holding fast to the Lord, the choices, the decisions, the actions. Ultimately, the choice that the people made whether they were going to listen and be in the perfect will of the Lord, or there were some consequences that then they had to ultimately turn to the Lord, but trust the Lord that he was going to bring them through. And clearly there's some pain and some loss in there. In this case, not loss of life, right? But loss of cargo, loss of the ship, and being shipwrecked for who knows how long, right? Mm -hmm. But for some time waiting to be rescued. It's, it's, I'll say, the modern-day version of that, or a continuation of that is probably a better way to phrase it, mm-hmm. where the Lord always gives us His perfect will, the destiny track for our lives. But will we choose that? Will we walk in it? Or will we reject it? And then now that man or woman of the Lord has to endure alongside us people that were had or made a choice to be in opposition to the Lord. And you see that same thing played out here with Paul. How many times, whether it was Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Daniel, or, they experienced all kinds of hardships as a result of, on the whole, the people, and I mean God's people's choice to be in opposition to him. I mean, Jeremiah was, what, 52 years in ministry? known as the weeping prophet because he was weeping, and it doesn't say that not one person turned from their ways. And even if one person did, it wasn't a great enough choice or a choice made by enough people 
to prevent the consequences of the entire nation's actions. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, the yes. Lord still moved on their behalf and just uh, still did great and wonderful and mighty things everywhere they were, even in captivity. And we've seen that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, right, with Joseph yes. and, and, and even Moses and all these things happen. So for us then, let's learn from the let's learn the lesson. Let's learn to listen to the Lord, to take his counsel, his wisdom, his knowledge, his instruction, and apply it to our lives immediately. Not reject it and then and have to endure hardship and go, wait, why, Lord? Well, why? It's because we rejected the word the first time it came. Mm-hmm. And Paul's now giving it again. Notice he gives it in a slightly different manner, right? Yes. Yes. I told you this before, but I'm saying it again because I'm still, he is saying, Paul, I'm still seeking the Lord. I have still sought the Lord. And this is what the Lord is still saying about this situation here. The Lord is talking about the same, the same situation both times. One's preventative, right? Mm-hmm. We can avoid a whole lot of difficulty and hardship in our lives if we will just receive the word when it's initially given. Vice waiting till we're in the thick of it, and then now looking for the word of the Lord and for guidance and instruction, which also makes it difficult to hear. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you see the working of the Lord in this, just like you did with all the other prophets. They're in the, in the thick of it, as it were, right? in the midst of all this turmoil in their life, and here, in this situation, you have Paul, who's a prisoner, instructing guards, instructing people, sailors, people that this is their livelihood, this is what they do. It doesn't say anything about Paul being a sailor. He sailed, sure, but it doesn't say he was a sailor, mm-hmm. that he, whether he did or didn't know what was going on and what was required. But here he's got the wisdom of the Lord working through him. And he's giving instruction. But notice, even the others, the, the people that this was their livelihood, they were trying to escape under the guise of throwing out cargo. We'll just hook up this, this here little dinghy, this little safety boat, and we'll just shove off and leave the prisoners and everybody else to perish on the boat, right? Yes. Okay. But how many times, and I bring that up, it's, it's significant, but for our own lives, how many times do we try to hatch an escape plan when we're in the midst of turmoil as opposed to just listening to the word of the Lord? Mm-hmm. And choosing obedience up front. Amen. Is so valuable to the life of the believer, just learning to do that instead of going, I'll just depend on God's grace later to dig me out of this pit I just dug. <laughs> that leads to hard living. Well, and in Paul's case, Paul wasn't the one who was being disobedient. He just had to suffer along with the other folks who were disobedient. You, know, you and I, honey, honey, we, we talk about a, a grace meter you know, here mm-hmm. in our house, right? So do we want to expend all of our grace on the Lord having to dig us out of holes and pits that we dug for ourselves no or would we like to 
experiences grace and all the other blessings and benefits and everything else he has for us. Experience it as advancement. Well, I mean, we say that, but our attitudes, actions, and behaviors kind of dictate that choice, right? It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to actually walk in it. Isn't that what he said to the children of Israel? This people's heart, or this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Why? Because their words, their deeds, what actually came out of the heart was demonstrated, and it spoke louder than the words. Mm-hmm. There was an opposition to the words they spoke. It didn't corroborate what they were saying. So let us fix that or examine ourselves and uproot those things that, I'll say, are in opposition to what we're saying towards the Lord and living that out. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, I promise. Well, I just thank you for today. Just thank you for speaking to us directly, Lord, and just giving us the ability that we can hear accurately from you, Lord, and that you tell us what we need to do, Lord, so that whenever we do, Lord, that we're able to succeed, Lord, and that we don't get caught in trouble, Lord. And Lord, I also thank you for showing us the right way to walk, Lord, so that whenever we hear your voice, Lord, we can continue, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org, click on Connect in the menu bar, and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.